It is 1046 on the East Coast. This is 1046. Today's episode is brought to you by Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter, Dan Nathan, that matter for the top companies in the world. You know what virtual meeting matters right now at 1046 a.m.? This, this one. This one. And you know what we're going to do, Dan? We're going to break down three research calls in 14 minutes. We got the time on the clock, Dan. What's the first call today, brother? We're doing Savita Supermanian. This is going to be a macro call out of Bank America. She is one heck of a strategist here. She is saying, guy, to curb your enthusiasm, if you are an investor in the stock market, you want to pick apart some of uh, her bullets there? Because, listen, I do. He's a very thoughtful strategist. Wasn't that something? By the way, and I know I should know this. Please don't make fun of me. That was some show, right? Everybody loves that show. It's still still a show. Yeah, Larry Davis. Currently still Larry I'm sure he's fantastic. Listen, five reasons to curb your enthusiasm. Sell side indicator at Bank of America, less than one, less than one point away from euphoria. Two, S&P valuations indicate paltry returns over the next decade. That's number two. Three, outsides, and this means two standard deviations returns precede losses 75% of the time, Dan Nathan. Bank of America's fair model S&P is 500 value is 36.35 in the S&P 500. And this is the one that I dig and you can speak to it. Equity risk premium dropping below 400 basis points for only the third time since the financial crisis. It happened in 2018 of January, September of 2018. And both times we saw 10 and 20% peak to trough declines respectively. I am so with her on this. Listen, right now the market says completely the other thing, but I'm so with her on this for a myriad of reasons, not least of which that paltry returns and this risk premium model that nobody seems to want to talk about, Dan Nathan. Yeah, you know, it's different this time, though, Guy. We've just had not six different. Trillion, we've had $6 trillion of fiscal stimulus, untold trillions of monetary easing. The Fed chair Powell says the economy's at an inflection point. The stock market reflects it. But I kid, I kid, I know I try to trigger you with that statement here. What's really interesting, she is a strategist. She's making a tactical call. All the inputs that they use on a quantitative basis are suggesting that they cannot see equities going meaningful higher from here. We have the S&P 500 up 10% on the year. The NASDAQ lags a little bit here. Um, You know, what's interesting to me about this call, though, Guy, is that interest rates, which is a really key input to that risk premium, they've come in a bit. The 10-year U.S. Treasury at 177. Now it's at 156 um, today. But listen, if you look at that S&P 500, you see where that 200-day moving average is. It's down about 13% or so. So that makes sense for her call. I just want to bring one thing up here is that she's talking about a rotation into more cyclicals. Look at the Russell 2000. We have a chart of it since the start of 2020 here, and that really outperformed the major large cap index. This is the IWM that tracks the small cap ETF. And you see that for the better part of this year, it's gone sideways since getting some of those early gains. I drew a few lines there, Guy. What do the lines look like on that chart to you? Well, the, the, I'd say the 200-day moving average, which I think, you know, you see where it comes in. I mean, yeah. you talk about being standard deviations away. That's where we are. And that horizontal line you know, what was resistance becomes support. And I absolutely think we're going to test that level of support. And oh, by the way, I'm going to call yeah. a bit of an audible here because that's what I can do on live, on live, the interweb, I guess is what we are. Yeah. Mike Wilson, earlier this week, and I'm quoting from Morgan Stanley, we have him on the show all the time. 
underneath the surface, there has been a noticeable shift in leadership, which could be telling us something about the reopening that may not be obvious. The Russell 2000 small cap has underperformed the S&P 500 by 8% since the March 12th high. That's exactly what you're pointing out right here, Dan. And I think you need to look at the Russell. I've always said the Russell leads the broader market by two or three weeks. I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it could be. And so what I drew, it looks like a head and shoulders top formation to me. That's just a kind of a little pithy technical sort of thing there. Um, but let's keep an eye on that. We will track that. Let's move to a single stock uh, name. Actually, a couple names out of Ray J. Who's Ray J, guy? Ray they J. would call that, in the, in the business, we call them Raymond James. You That's know, Ray right. J is a little fun little thing we used to do back in the day. Headquartered out of Florida, by the way, for you playing our home game. I do believe. Anyway, please, Dan. Yeah, so I love these calls where it's like kind of a dual thing. It's like a one-two punch. They're upgrading NVIDIA. We've been talking about NVIDIA a lot on the CNBC Fast Money of late. Um, they just pre-announced a really good quarter. They're talking about getting into CPUs. We know that they're trying to close an arm deal. A lot of things going on there. Nearly a $400 billion market cap. Um, Raymond James initiates with, uh, or excuse me, they upgrade 750 price target. They're setting the company's moving to server processors like we just talked about. Um, growth is going to be dependent on existing markets, but help to support that premium multiple. We know that it trades at a massive premium to some of its peers. One of those peers that's much cheaper is Intel. And they actually downgraded on skepticism about the chipmaker's plans to regain its manufacturing lead. That's been the problem. They've mis-executed on um, a number of different um, chips, and they've missed a couple uh, things. They missed mobile, actually, uh, for the most part. So what's your take on this call here? And do you like the one-two punch where they're saying, buy this, sell that? I like the one punch, and I'll talk about the two punch in a second. But the one punch, listen, you saw NVIDIA was trading 490, it seemingly a month or so ago. And then you just mentioned it pre announced higher, the stock ripped yep. back to that prior high. Um, and we're sort of meandering around that now. I think you can trade against sort of the 605 level, and maybe the 750 price target comes in and comes into the crosshairs. I will tell you that valuation has always been a concern about NVIDIA, and it manifested itself with that move from 605 down to 490. You heard everybody talking about valuation on the way down. Nobody seems to care about it on the way up. In terms of Intel, um, listen, I get it. I will say this. I think you give Intel the benefit of the doubt. I think finally they have a CEO that gets it. They've given us a plan, and I think you got to get you got to cut them some slack. Um, what I'll tell you, and I know you know this, valuation, you can't really beat it, yeah. and I think your downside is limited. Had that big move to the upside in Intel, pulled back. And I think for a trade, Intel's worth a look. So I like the upgrade. I'm sort of skeptical on the downgrade, in my opinion, Dan Nathan. Yeah, let's go to the charts real quickly. Let's Please. Look at that. Let's look Please. at that video. Uh, and sometimes, as our friend Carter Braxton Worth likes to say, the lines draw themselves. We're connecting all of those highs where the stock pulled back from over the last year or so. And you see that there's some meaningful pullbacks there. I think it's interesting now that this stock is trading 635 as we speak above that technical resistance level. That's been a really sharp move. A lot of good news in the name right now. I don't know. I'm not really playing this one for a breakout. And I also would mention that this year, you know, the valuation based on their EPS, expected EPS, and sales growth, which are both, you know, 25, 30% or so respectively, is meaningfully expected to decelerate next year. So that might be why that CPU yeah, announcement no, I, came out when it did. And I get that. But at least this one, unlike so many other things we look at, at least it made a push down towards that 200-day moving average, yeah. touched it, actually traded a little through it, which, okay, not a big deal, but at least it did that. So it, it flushed out a lot of people. So I think 
that above that prior all-time high, which we are right now, yeah. I mean, you can trade this thing from the long side. And valuation will matter at a certain point. But right now in the environment we're in, it doesn't seem to. So I like the NVIDIA call, but I'd love you. Dig in your charts, Dan. Well done. Do you have another one for me, by the way? I do. Let's look at the Intel because this one, you know, since the start of 2020 is also really interesting. This is a classic Gaiadami double top. We made, you know what we should do? We should turn your double top, your little classic thing, to an NFT. You know what that stands for, Guy? A non-fungible token. It's amazing. The fact that you ever, like, that those three words are in your head together is fascinating to me. Yeah, I just, just wanted to say that. All right, let's look at this, though. Double top, man, just last week, right? And it just topped out around, uh, I don't know, 68 bucks right below um, what it was like, like a two-decade high. And when you yeah. look at that, it made a massive double bottom. I know you were calling for that uh, six months ago when it bounced off of that kind of 44 level. It's interesting that the 200-day moving average is kind of like right in the midpoint of this range if you will. So to me, you know, a lot of news in Intel. They're going to report next week. I think April 22nd. I think earnings is a, this is a good one to talk about right here. It's like, it is a, listen, it is a good one. earnings are going to matter yeah. here without question. I think the market's yeah. going to give them the benefit of the doubt if they come in in line and give somewhat constructive guidance. If they miss, if they have another one of these quarters where data center is a disaster, yeah. which by the way, we saw a couple quarters ago, they're going to take this out to the woodshed and the woodshed will manifest itself around that $54 or so level, the 200-day moving average, which you so correctly pointed out, Dan Nathan. So yes, earnings do matter in this case. Yeah, and I was just going to make the point that earnings season for me is, is always one where I do a little less trading and more thinking and more reading and more listening and really trying to, because oftentimes you'll see moves into earnings where people are trying to game what they think is going to be happen. And you know better than anyone, no one knows what's going to happen, right? In the markets here, right? You you know best than anyone, I guess I would say. I, I say it all the time, Dan. All right. Slide it, Earl. As they said, look at, man, oh, man. Look man, at oh, you, man. slide it, Earl. That's for you match game fans. Gene Rayburn, who was a genius <laughs> uh, as a host. Bookings holding, upgraded at Jefferies. And this is an interesting call because this stock has been a rocket ship. They raised it uh, from hold to buy, expected rebound and travel. I think a lot of people have been talking about that. They raised their price target to $2,800. What I'll tell you, Dan Nathan, and you have that, right now the average price target for analysts is somewhere around, I want to say, I'm looking at it, $2,505. The range in the stock is anywhere from $1,890 to $3,000 for analysts. They talked about reaccelerating revenue growth, rebounding in margins, and they said on a valuation basis, it's, it's reasonable. And you know what? That's, that's actually pretty true. Valuation, it is reasonable. On April 5th, Evercore ISI initiated inline, just so for the sake of you know, full disclosure, with a 2390 price target. I sort of like this call, Dan. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, listen, this is a trade that's kind of been slow. You know, some of these reopening trades went up in like a straight line. You know, if you look at, we have a one-year um, chart or chart since the start of 2020 on this thing, and you see like a really well-defined uptrend. So so this was one that people were throwing out baby with the bathwater in the throes oh. of the pandemic last year. I know you hate that. See, but this is what we do. I just try to trigger you, which is just amazing. And but you, you see, you see this nice uptrend here. You know, listen, if you're 
trading this sort of thing, and it's been a good way to trade it, is like when it goes down and hits that lower end of the uptrend, which happens to be support, it looks viable, and then it gets rejected at the upper end of that thing. One of the things that I found really interesting about um, this upgrade, and I look across the street, and some people will say, why are you guys quoting street research? Why are you saying how many buys, sells, holds, that sort of thing? It's important from a sentiment standpoint. I mean, these analysts are all diligent people. They're doing work. They're trying to be right all the time, right? Which is really, I think, a, a good way to be in the financial markets. Um, but, you know, when there's 14 buys, 18 holds, and two sells, and like you said, that price target is 2,500, well below where the stock is trading right now, that tells you that Wall Street analysts are offsides if this thing is about to take off, right? And so one of the things that I like to do is like buy something that's underappreciated where everyone else is going to come around to it. And that could be the case with a bookings, with an Expedia, despite the fact they're trading above where they were at the pandemic levels um, which, you know, early last year. Which is remarkable. If you think about it, JetBlue, by the way, an airline is also trading above those February highs yeah. from last year, which is remarkable when you really put it into context. I think you have to bring this up as well, Dan. Bank of America upgraded uh, bookings to buy from neutral on March 22nd. Uh, their price target went to $29.50 from $25.50. So a lot of analysts getting their arms around this one. I believe they're due to report on or about May 13th for those playing our home game. So it's just something to keep an eye on. But I do like this call. Now, if you watch the Fast Money, Dan, which I know you're a participant of, uh, I gave you a hope trade at the end of last year, if you recall. Do you remember what the, the stocks for the hope trade was? I'm sure you don't remember. I'll bring them up. Home Depot was the H, Oracle was the O, yeah. he was Palantir, which was a monster for a while, obviously giving a lot of it back, giving all of it back. And the last one was E for Expedia. And I think you can play it in that as well. I think as we sit here right now, Expedia is making an all-time high. So this space is in play for sure. So I do like this call, Dan Nathan. All right. Well, you know what, Guy? It's coming to the top of the hour. And we've covered it a whole heck of a lot in 14 minutes from 1046 to 11 a.m. But here's the thing. I think we got a little more here. What are we going to do? For those of people who don't have an 11 o'clock Zoom meeting or, or open exchange meeting or whatever the heck you do your meetings on, what are we going to do right now, guys? We're going to, we, well, in, in about 30 seconds, we're going to go in overtime because there are other things I want to talk about as well. On the way out, for me, Dan, I want to talk about bank earnings. And yeah. obviously, we saw some monster bank earnings out of you know some of the majors. And people will say, well, why is J.P. Morgan, you know, why didn't the real stock really move on the back of that earnings release? And I'll tell you why, in my opinion, Dan Nathan, because they came out and told you the tangible book was actually lower than the street was looking for. Right now, they're saying tangible book in J.P. Morgan is about $66.70. And people do the math and say, wait a second. Wait a it's second. Trading about two, thank you, Dan. It's trading about 2.3 times tangible book, which is sort of the deep end of the pool. Just for comparison's sake, Dan, City said their tangible book was north of $77. So you have a stock right now trading, you know, below tangible book effectively. So listen, City deserves to be at a discount. JP Morgan deserves to be at a premium to everybody else. But the question is, how much of a premium? So bank season, earnings season, the whole thing. But if you're trying to figure out why JP Morgan is not trading as well as it should, or you well as you think it should. That's the reason why, and I know you put the XLF chart well done by you, Dan Nathan, as we're in overtime right now. 
Yeah, you know what's funny about the uh, J.P. Morgan? It was interesting to see all those banks screaming after their earnings yesterday in J.P. Morgan Red. But J.P. Morgan consolidating in that 151, 152 range over the last month or so to me is actually quite bullish in a way. You know, the expectations were very high. We know it's best of breed. We know it's outperformed a lot of its brethren off of the lows, you know, from last year. Um, if I'm a long-term bull and I like that loan loss release and I expect more to come, I'm saying I'm fine. I don't want these things to get overheated at a time when Savita is making calls for a 10 to 20% pullback, right? Um, so to me, I don't really want to see stocks get too overextended. But that XLF chart, we're going to have 50% of the weight of that ETF reporting by the end of this week, okay, by, by tomorrow afternoon. That uptrend is pretty clear. I mean, I think if you're long banks, you probably keep holding them until it breaks it to the downside. And at that point, you might want to take some profits. Dan, man, quick question is we're in overtime right yeah. now, so you can do pretty much anything in overtime. Do you like the Beatles carry that weight or do you like the bands the weight? Better. The weight, the weight by the band is is probably one of the top five rock songs. E I appreciate ever, that, ever Dan. What do you want? You got anything for us as we continue to stay here in overtime? Yeah, real quickly, let's look at uh, the the coin, the Coinbase. That the ticker is C O I N, and this one has really captivated the attention of a lot of investors because a lot of stock market investors have not really been able to figure out how to play Bitcoin unless they were able to kind of, or any crypto for that matter, is you know like a lot of them were pretty skeptical about how to do it. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting for Coinbase, I know that there's a lot of worries about the valuation. It was trading at about a hundred billion dollars, which is bigger than a lot of banks out there that we talk about every day um you know and to me i think it's an interesting on-ramp to the crypto thing i think it's obviously um there's going to be so much innovation that comes out of it now it's a public um traded stock here i think it's going to capture a lot of attention by retail and institutional investors who weren't currently looking at crypto as an asset class i'll just make one point though you know there's going to be, uh, if you're looking to play Bitcoin via the, the Coinbase stock, there's going to be ETFs, there's going to be other ways to play it. So um, to me, this is going to be a really interesting one to keep an eye on for sentiment, because we're looking for those things that cross the crypto world and the equity world. And now we finally have one in a big, big way. So let's keep an eye on that one. The reference price was 250. It was a direct IPO listing. Um, it traded as high as 420 yesterday, closed at 331. So I think from a sentiment standpoint, that'll be a, a really important one to keep keep an eye on. I hope you, I was waiting for you to say like Rubicon or something. Anytime you hear the word cross, like for some reason, Rubicon follows. Listen, this has been 1046. <laughs> Usually we take up only 14 minutes of your time. Today we went OT. We took 18 minutes of your time. This episode of 1046 was brought to you by Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies in the world. Say what you got to say, Dan Nathan. Well, listen, this was a lot of fun, Guy. Thanks for ripping through it. I'd say you would call this a fire emoji uh, for 18 minutes here. So that was fun. And we will see everybody back here at 1046 a.m. next Thursday. Looking forward to it. Later.